Well, good morning, everyone. It's me, Dave McMahon, and welcome to my live radio show and podcast called Unleashed, where we unleash our thoughts and we have the time of our lives. Glad you could be here with us. Uh, in the studio with me is Mr. John Greer. He is the executive director of the Niagara SPCA and Humane Society. He has a long history with the Humane Society, and uh, we're going to have a blast touching on so many different topics today. Uh, I would also like to acknowledge our sponsor, Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing. Uh, so contact Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing for your vehicle rust proofing needs. So without delay, welcome to the show, John Greer. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Come nice a little to closer to that big black big thing. Black okay. <laughs> hey, Dave, how you doing? Nice to be with you this morning. It's great to have you on. Uh, you've been on with me several times uh, over the years with another radio show that I do on a different radio station. It's always a pleasure to shoot the shit with you and catch up on things. Sure. Always good to see you, too. Yeah, right on, John. So um, you are uh, a Welland resident, are you, or Port Colborne? I actually, I'm a Fort Erie resident. So you're Fort Erie resident. Fort Erie resident. Now, yep. and uh, how long have you been in Canada? Because I love your accent. Uh, I've been in Canada since 1965, believe it or not. But the accent still stays around a little bit for some of those words that we just never get rid of from the old country. Do you know that I, I was born in 1967? Really? I swear to God, I look older because of the lifestyle. You do, Dave. The rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, it's a rock and roll I was stuff. born in 1967, <laughs> and you came to Canada then? Well, okay, but I was five, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, <laughs> you know. But uh, you're looking good for your age. What are you doing you. to keep your health uh, solid? Good diet? Uh, yeah, good diet. You know, <sighs> yeah, just really, that's it. I think today that's that's really important. You know, your diet, you know, I'm not a big exercise guy, i got to be honest with you, but uh, the job keeps me pretty busy and on the move, so I think that helps as we get a little bit older. Yeah, what do you do to decompress? Do you toke? Do you drink? What do you do? You know what? I, Take long baths? <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not a toker, and actually I'm not a drinker. I know that's an old Irish thing. Because I uh, picture you as a whiskey drinker. Do you? Well, no, like I'll have a beer now and again. I, I, I enjoy Guinness every now and again. Uh, decompress, I just I, I like spending time with my family, with my dogs. Yes. I like to go home. You know, I talk to a lot of people in my job throughout the day. I just like to go home, close everything off, spend some time with the family, spend some time with my animals. Good, clean living. Good, clean living, Dave. I'm You're like a family man. Yes. <laughs> Did you say like, oh, yourself, like, oh, like yourself or unlike yourself? Unlike yourself. Yeah, that was more accurate, <laughs> unlike myself. You got it. Um, you've been with the Humane Society for a number of years. Take us through that, because, I mean, you've worked every single workstation, I would imagine, or almost every single workstation uh, at the Welland Humane Society, practically yep. every workstation. Yeah. When did you first uh, gain employment at the Welland Humane Society? So I started in 2000 as an animal control officer. Uh, in a very short time, actually, probably within about a month, I became uh, an Ontario SPCA agent back in the day. That was when the Ontario SPCA Act. So I was a cruelty investigator for 17 years on the road, did cruelties throughout the Niagara region. Uh, stayed on even after I took over executive director in 2011. So I've been with the, like in that position for about 12 years uh, and stayed on the road for a few years. And then I think, as you know, back in 2018, uh, the province took over, became the PAWS Act, Provincial Animal Welfare yeah. Services. 
some of the agents or inspectors. I moved up to the rank of inspector actually while I was with Ontario. So overseeing a lot of investigations here in the Niagara region. Um, and been the executive director ever since, uh, guiding the organization through the different changes, our amalgamation that we did in 2019 with Niagara Falls Humane Society, opening the Cat Center, opening the Spay-Neuter Clinic. Huge, huge development. Yep. Putting and our mobiles on the road, our, our surgical hospital, all of our mobile outreach. So we've really made a lot of strides, I, I think, really in the last few years. Now, prior to you becoming the executive director of the Niagara SPCA and Humane Society, you had mentioned that you worked cruelty, you worked on the truck, you worked on the road. Uh, did you shovel dog shit and clean kennels at any point in time? No, uh, with Welland, when I started, those jobs were always separated. But we were in the shelter quite a bit, so we... You still got your hands dirty. I got, oh yeah, we definitely got our hands dirty. So, I mean, you know, I mean, we saw the staff and interacted with the staff and we helped out where we could. Uh, but those jobs were usually separate. But you got an understanding of shelter life. Uh, you know, our front counters, we call it customer support, customer interactions. You know, they say that's one of the toughest jobs going. People coming in, they might be angry because we're on the road. Uh, we might be issuing tickets. We might be issuing orders. While the, the only place they know to go is back to the shelter and complain about what's going on or how they've been treated. So it's, it's a tough job in and out. Two completely different jobs, but they all had their own challenges. Working in cruelty investigations again for that many years... I mean, that must have really took a toll on you. It does, you know. You have to brush that off before you go home. Did you ever have horrible nightmares or take that home? And, you know, did you ever have to go and see a counselor because you had to deal with all this fucking nonsense? No, not, no, you know what? I mean, my background was enforcement. So I was actually, I was a guard at the at the Don Jail in Toronto before I moved to Niagara. Law, enfor years. Law enforcement background? Law enforcement background. So you see a lot of stuff in corrections. And then actually I was nine years with the, the old Toronto Harbor Police. And that's when we moved it up here. But animal cruelty is a little bit different than human. You know what I mean? Uh, they can't speak for themselves. They depend on us that are on the road as cruelty investigators yeah. to be their voice to get them the care they need. So we saw some really horrible things. And anybody getting into that type of work, you have to be able to make a compartment and put it away. You can't take it home with you or you won't last it in that type of a job. It takes a certain kind of person to do Absolutely. this. And Absolutely. And you were, you, were, you were that certain kind of person that could do it. I could do it, yeah. You're not emotionless, but you come in professional and someone's got to do this job. I think that's where you have to put it, Dave. You have to put it down to somebody's got to do it. And, and if you're fortunate enough to be able, like I say, to make that compartment, put it away at the end of the day, realize you've done the best possible job you can for that particular animal in that particular day that you were investigating or trying to get them veterinary care or whatever. And you just have to keep moving on. And if you can't do that, you won't last. Now, the, the, the penalties for animal cruelty, John, I mean, things have come a long way or just a little bit of the way. Uh, let's look at where we were when you first started in cruelty investigations uh, at the uh, SPCA. And let's look at now. Have, have, you know, are, there, are there harsher penalties for people that commit animal cruelty to animals? What's going on with that? Update us with that. Yeah, sure. So back in the day when I started, I mean, you know, it's, it's provincial. We could lay criminal charges. As a, as a cruelty investigator, uh, during that time, we carried policing powers. We could execute search warrants. Okay. We could remove animals. We could remove evidence such as computers. 
it, it was always very hard, and I believe probably for the pause investigators, it's hard as well. There's no dedicated Crown prosecutors for animal cruelty in the province, which makes it really hard because they don't understand the act. They don't understand the laws very well. So have we improved? I think, like you say, we've improved a little bit. I still think we've got a very, very long way to go. I think if you look at the UK, the Royal SPCA, the strides they've made, the charges they can lay, and people are actually getting a lot of jail time for animal cruelty charges. I haven't seen it in the province of Ontario yet. I told my girlfriends not to call in the middle well, of the show. You know, the, you know they're, they're pretty anxious, so. That's it. All right, so there. I've muted that. <laughs> Could have been my wife, right? Pick up milk on the way home. All right, so um, I think, you know, if you hurt an animal... You should go to jail. That's what I think. Absolutely. You Absolutely. beat you beat a dog. You should go to jail. Absolutely. I you mean, know, and they should beat your ass in jail. <laughs> well, you should. I mean, like I say, they don't have voices. You know. So I mean, if you look at the human animal bond today, people are very very close to their animals. But I mean, there's still within the Niagara region is where I work. There's still a lot of animal cruelty that go on. It really surprises me in today's society that people can still be so horrible and cruel to animals that just want nothing but love or to love you. Right up the livestock. I mean, some of it's old farming practices from 100 years ago, and they just don't understand that the laws have changed. So some of the ways you do things weren't very humane back in the day. So that's where it started. Back in the day when it was Kelso, it was actually uh, that, that started the movement and Family and Children's Services. So FACTS and Humane Societies were actually one organization. Yo, I'm and, glad you brought that up. And they separated and went their, their own ways. Still very similar in nature. FACTS still, you know what, they're looking after the kids and doing that. And we're, of course, on the animal side. But it's a movement that started because common people saw the cruelty to horses, especially back in those days, Dave, you know, that pulled the carts and did all those different things. Uh, and that's that's where the movement started, and that's where we are today. I mean, to me, this is, this is a fact. What I'm about to say is the reason humane societies exist is because of irresponsible people. Absolutely. I mean, is there any other reason well, yeah, that humane societies exist? I mean, that's certainly one of the main reasons. That would be one of your Irresponsible main, people. Yeah, that would be one of your main reasons. I mean... Uh, you know, so the Niagara SBCA Humane Society, we have uh, seven municipalities that we cover here in the Niagara region. We cover all of Haldeman County, and we've actually signed a contract for animal control with the Mississaugas of the New Credit, an indigenous community, uh, which is pretty much a first in Ontario. So they're actually getting on board with Congratulations. It. Yeah, so another thing that humane societies are for unwanted, abandoned animals. And we, we you know, we're seeing... An increase after COVID with animals coming into the shelter. Uh, so I think it's twofold. I think we're there for the responsible people through our animal services department. Our officers are on the road. I mean, I just, on my way in here, I fielded a call. One of our officers had six horses out on a roadway that they were trying to contain. So the Humane Society covers, I don't think people realize just how much work we do exotics like reptiles. You had Mike London on. I've worked with Mike for... And you heard that show. Yeah, I listened to your Wasn't show. Wasn't that Dave. a good one? That was a great one. Yeah, Mike's <laughs> quite the character. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> anybody in the Niagara region that has a reptile <laughs> issue, 
London Reptiles. Mike is is like one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever seen when it comes to those exotics and reptiles and just a great guy. But we do everything. We do wildlife, uh, injured, anything that's injured or sick, we will go and pick it up. We have a veterinary team on staff. We will transfer our wildlife to rehabbers. It's multifaceted. When I first got into it, like I say, when I kind of came down here, I had that enforcement background. And when I signed up, I, I had no understanding of what the Humane Society and everything they actually did. You know, I was the same. You go into the shelter, you adopt a puppy or a kitten or a dog or a cat, and that's kind of your job. They thought it was just a dog pound. Yep. You know? Yep, exactly. Old school dog pound. Old school, yep. But the organization is so much more diversified than that, what the services that you provide. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, we go from exotics. So with Mike London back in 2011, him and I actually did Ontario's largest reptile removal. So get this, a little house in Welland, a pre-war time home in Welland, we took out 235 reptiles out of one house. And I'm talking like... A collector, a hoarder. Yeah, well, it was it was a guy that we knew of, and he was like... A, it wasn't a bodge situation. Okay. He just had a lot of like animals. We took crocodiles that are now in Texas, so we transferred them across the border. We took venomous snakes. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and like I say... The this was in Welland. It was in Welland, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I say, it, you know... Great horned owls. Our officers have to be very versatile. So at Niagara SBC and Humane Society, we're constantly updating our training because the laws change and how you handle things change. And it, it is. It's multifaceted. It's just everything that you can think of. No day's ever the same. It's insane. How many staff do you have between Welland, Niagara Falls, Port Colborne, and whatever else that your uh, organization has? So well, I, ballpark. Well, how many staff yeah, have no, you got? I, I employ 38 staff members. 38 staff members. Yeah. What is, what, give me an idea as to their wages, if you don't mind. Sure. I'm not asking your wage. Good. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you're not going to fucking tell me. I'm not going to tell you. But I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking the wages of the staff. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's public knowledge, so I can say it. All of our staff are, are under QP 1287. Yes. Unionized. So, unionized employees. So our, our staff are all paid the same rate. We believe everybody deserves it, whether it's part-time or full-time. Yep, yep. So they're uh, twenty-three fifty-six an hour. And one of the things I thought was really important, because at the end of the day, people have to realize we're still a charity. We still have our own... But we're You're not a, a government charity. agency. A government. We get no government funding. Zero. A lot of people don't know that, John. A lot John. of people still complain that we're government, and we, we receive absolutely zero dollars through the government. We have our animal control, but that's a service contract. You have the animal control, uh, which you provide that service through service the, through the municipality. Each municipality, yeah. And we'll talk about what that entails in a moment. But yeah. And then another thing the staff. that I, I thought was really important, our staff all have pension plans, which a lot of shelters don't. And another thing that we thought was really important, all staff, part-time, full-time, have a full benefit package. So, so it's good. You treat them well. Fine. We treat them well. Do you we feel do that the, wa- the, the the core wages, do you feel it's reasonable for what the work they do? Oh, no. I think they deserve a lot more for what they do. So but, I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's still a charity. It's still, yes. you know, we can't produce more of something to create more money. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, you know, bylaw officers make a lot more than our guys, but I mean... We have to go back to certain people getting into this job because of that passion for animals, and I think that's what keeps them in their jobs, that passion. You know, is the largest financial donation contribution to Niagara SPCA typically through someone who will leave their estate and their money 
to you through their will when they pass away? That's that's definitely our biggest ones. Yeah, we get you know the estates and, and, and being left in people's wills, and that helps out tremendously with a lot of the programming we do. Yeah. Throughout the year, though, I have to say, Niagara community they love their animals, and we see a lot of just and you know. $20 is still helps us out. We just see people throughout the year giving, you know, from the community. And really, that's what keeps us going. A lot of those programs are definitely, that's that's basically where, where we sit. You know, we rely on those donations. That girlfriend is really persistent. Honest to God, seriously. <laughs> okay, just a minute. Block number. I can't find, can't you just send somebody a fuck you, you know? Right? Like, I guess you could text it, but... There's got to be a, an emoji with fuck Something. you. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that when Welland Humane Society amalgamated with Niagara Falls, I think that was the best decision financially and in every which way. Oh, yeah. Once upon a time, I was a board member right. in Niagara Falls yeah. for a very limited time. And I quit because no one on the board was willing to do anything. It was a small group of people, and I didn't realize that the Niagara Falls Humane Society was in such jeopardy when I came on as a board member for a very short stint. I really didn't, John. I didn't do my homework enough. I thought, holy shit, they brought me on board. This is a shit show. And so, you know, I jumped ship. And then shortly thereafter, the amalgamation came. I mean, you saved... The Niagara Falls Humane Society. Yeah, I mean financially. Yeah, right. Yeah. They were in the hole. They were. They were. Call they a spade a spade trouble. for Christ's sake. Yeah, right? no, I no, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, no, they were definitely in, in serious trouble. So we got a call. Their board had reached out. Um, we took over management duties. So I got down there and I tried to start to figure out like. You know, they owed money to everybody. They, you know, the city wasn't happy with the services that were being provided. So we did the management for about a year. And then the two boards got together. And like you say, I mean, we combined two large charities together. So we're the largest. We operate three shelters here in the Niagara region. We have one in Port Colburn, city-owned. The other two buildings we own. But we were able to amalgamate all of those services, bring Niagara Falls Humane Society up to some standards that Welland abided by and it's I mean Welland is great. a good Welland was in good shape financially and as a model yeah we I think always yeah we were always well managed before even before me we were always it was well a great managed, model to look up to fiscally responsible very you know a, a group of very dedicated employees and I think that's what the employees of Niagara Falls Shelter were looking for. Some direction. It's funny, you know, people want that direction. They want people to, to come in and make the decisions and, and, and we move forward as an organization. The city's very happy. We have a great relationship with the city of Niagara Falls and Mayor Diodati, very supportive of us. And it brought everything to bear. So we brought a lot. So then all of a sudden, Niagara Falls had access to our mobile surgical hospital, our mobile adoption units. So it was just a great fit. It time. opened up everything. Everything. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of good. But of course, it shook some people, didn't sit well with everyone, because a lot of folks can't handle changes. So I'm talking about, let's say, Niagara Falls at the time. You know, they've got, you know, the manager there before Welland came on the scene to amalgamate and take over. 
You know, some people found it tricky that there's going to be changes. There's going to be different expectations for them as employees. Sure. But that's life. You know, that's, we've we've got to we've got to be adaptable. You have to keep moving forward. And I would say overall, I honestly like for the staff. I I found them very receptive to the policies that we put in place. They wanted to be more busy. They wanted to be more active in the community. Unfortunately, it was a management issue at the end of the day. Like you said, you want to call a spade a spade. They, they didn't really want to get involved with our community. And again, we rely on our community for those donations. So yeah. we have to be out and active and also helping the community. So another thing we've started, and I'll just touch on it briefly. Yeah, uh, We did it through the pandemic. We kept it going. Most of our officers, our on patrol officers on the road, are now... Uh, community members, right? So their community engagement team is what we started. So like you say, for people who maybe can't afford dog food for that, that month, we will drop a bag of dog food at your door. We will go out into the community. That helps keep our numbers down in the shelter so you don't have to surrender it. We help the community wherever we can. We do that with our mobile units by doing rabies clinics that are very low cost, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I'm curious to know about your relationship with Lincoln County Humane Society. Sure. Well, we don't have a relationship with Lincoln County. So there's Humane no Society. relationship with Lincoln County Humane Society of give and take and no. we'll help you and I'll help you. So there's still some bad blood there. I don't know if it's bad blood. It's just I think it's a different philosophy. We believe in education, being out into the community, helping. Uh, You're like certainly very transparent. Uh, you know, Niagara SPCA and Humane Society. Yeah, we 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 try to stay as transparent. It's not as necessary. Possible. It's not necessary for you to have a a tight relationship with no. another humane society. No, no, two different charities. Like each each shelter is their own charity yeah. and they're registered through the CRA. And like I say, we just. Uh, for many years, we haven't worked together. We haven't really done anything together. Uh, different philosophy and how things go. So we just sort of stay our separate ways and do our separate yeah. things. Uh, I believe our organization, Agra SPCA, speaks for itself with the community involvement, and the things we do, and the amount of coverage we provide. So we just worry about us. We don't worry about Lincoln County. We just we we worry about us. Let's talk about. Let's do, do a little bit of a deep dive into the mobile spay and neuter clinic. It is so successful. Very, very successful. I have had the opportunity, as many, to go on the truck yep. and be able to go through on a tour and look at, you know, all the great equipment and, and, and what you have in this spay and, and, uh, and neuter uh, mobile clinic. Talk about some of the places that you've taken the truck to and, and been able to spay and neuter so many pets. Yeah, so, yeah, we've been on the road now. We were the first actual mobile spay-neuter clinic in the province of Ontario. Before that, it was it was basically really, a, through CVO, College of Veterinarians, it was actually against the law to have a mobile clinic. So we were sort of the pioneers now. We had to work, when I brought the unit in from Ohio, we had to work with the CVO. We had to get all new qualifications for it because, of course, there's no washrooms available, you know, different things like that. Uh, so we've been on the road now like I say probably about 10 years uh, we, we try to get the unit on the road about 20 days a year it's not on the road a lot so we go to indigenous communities or remote communities we spend uh, we haven't done it for a year or two because we've got the population Manitoulin Island we're there for an entire you've week. put a big dent in the control of the uh, over pet population uh, in these places yes. and that's one of the things when we when we talk about like some of the different rescues coming in our northern communities don't have these mobile units so it's really hard when you hear people say, I have to drive eight hours 
to get to the veterinarian to have my dog spayed or neutered. And then you hear of the cost and people just don't have that kind of money. Our unit rolls in and everything's like, we do cats for $50, we do dogs for $100. Like some bills are over $1,000 if you go to these regular clinics. And people have to realize our Northern communities, they just don't have access to those services. So um, when the Northern fires there, we actually rolled our unit and we only did, we only did microchips but we rolled our unit into a hotel in Niagara Falls here uh, and sat it up and all the people because they brought their animals with them. They didn't want them left behind. And I spoke to a lady and we did a rabies shot for and, and uh, all of the core vaccines. And those people we didn't even charge. That was a free service. Normally, if the clinic, it would be about a $60 charge. She said if she was back home up in like northern, right? It would have been about $800 for that service. I believe it. And you just shake your head. Like, I don't know how they expect people. Now, these are licensed doctor veterinary of medicine <coughs> veterinarians that are performing the uh, spay and neuter. Absolutely. Our They're not animal health technicians no. or veterinary no. technologists. They're actual veterinarians that are doing the spay yeah. and neuter. And they're giving you a good deal, or are some of them volunteering? Volunteering. Well, actually, well, actually no, we employ them. We, yeah, you we employ have, them. Uh, yeah, we employ them, so they actually work for us. One of our vets, our medical director, has her own clinic, Dr. Carrie Evers, does a lot of great work in the rehab yeah. section. Sandra is our full-time surgical vet. And then we will hire what they call a locum. That's a vet that'll move around when the mobile goes out. But we employ them. It's it's like a contract position and we employ them. And that, it's those vets that come with us that, again, believe in that community involvement. Like, let's get it done. Like, let's stop. You know that the clinics, you can't knock the veterinary clinics. Look at them. They've got a lot of expensive equipment. They've got a lot of stuff. They have to keep their costs up just to survive. Yeah, so, so their costs are justifiable, in your opinion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and But like I say, from a shelter, what's our main, you know, population? Overpopulation is the biggest detriment to any shelter in the province of Ontario or Canada or anywhere. So if we can keep that population down and keep those numbers from coming in, yeah. that's really our mission. So we, we work side by side on our mission statements with those veterinarians. Yeah, certainly. Now the brick and mortar spay and neuter clinic that you have in Welland, Ontario, the good old Rose City of Welland, <laughs> I mean, that place is hopping too, right? Like, there's a lot of dogs and cats going in there to be spayed and neutered. And that's, it's done at a very reasonable cost. Yeah, so our, yeah, so our cats uh, for spay and neuter, we don't, like, it doesn't matter male or female, is $100. Dogs, depending on their, their size, we do it by size because it takes longer to do the surgery. Uh, we start at about $160 and we go up to about $260. That would be your total cost. Again, the veterinarian that works there, Sandra Avasikas, uh, great vet, high volume fat. So we do, Dave, anywhere from 20 to 25 animals per day, five days a week. That's what our clinic does. We're booked, I believe the last time I checked, I think we're actually booked a year in advance, up till next August Holy shit. 24. Do these people have to put a deposit? <clears throat> yeah, we get a deposit from them just to yeah, hold that spot. Hold the spot. Yeah, and... The last time I looked and I ran the numbers, which really probably six months, not that long ago, we were at about 48,000 surgeries completed through that bricks and mortar since we opened. Because you're doing volume, it's a big cash cow for you. It's a good money maker. It's a great source of revenue. You know what I, and I mean? Let's That's make, a better way of putting yeah. it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I mean, and I mean, you have to look at it. I mean, you know, these veterinarians are very specialized. It can do high, not every veterinarian can do 20 or 25 surgeries in a day. A lot of vet clinics... Maybe Assembly do, line. Yeah, they maybe do one or two. So 
again, because we're very good at it and that's what we, we focus on, we can do it for much less of cost. And we don't have to have all of the equipment that the vet clinics have. And we want people, when they come through our service, if we're able to do that, go see your regular veterinarian. Like, get a relationship with your regular veterinarians in the area. So we want people to, to continue to provide really good health care for their animal for good. the rest of their life. Good, good to know. Listen, lots more things I want to talk about. How is your cat adoption center going at the uh, Seaway Mall in Welland? Is that still going pretty strong? That's huge. It, when, when I first opened it, I approached them all, and again, uh, we have to give credit to Seaway Mall, the yes. management there, Mike. Did they donate that store to you? That, yeah, we just pay our, our utilities on it, so we get the So it's rent-free, rent -free. and you're just put paying the utilities? Yeah. What a sweet deal. Uh, and that's great. Mike Belcastro's Mike, Mike is at the wheel of the Seaway yeah, Mall. Yeah, he's still in charge of the management over there. So again, I believe we're probably just over 10,000 adoptions just through the cat center. When I first started it and opened it, I was I was kind of surprised myself at the amount of attention that it drew. And I'm really happy how it's kind of evolved because now a lot of people from senior homes that come to the mall on the bus, they stop in at the dollar store, they get their little cat treats, and of course they stop in at the cat center and give them a treat and do whatever. We get a, get a lot of people that are challenged, either physically in a, in a wheelchair or whatever, that stop by and get that little bit, like a, I think you mentioned cuddle time before when we were talking before we went on air. Yeah. You know, it's really nice to see. And it still surprises me today when I take a, a drive down there and I walk in just how many people get in there. But we want to showcase our animals. We want it out of that shelter environment. I think it's great. <clears throat> yeah. And people can volunteer to become cat cuddlers. Cat cuddler. Could you imagine putting that on your goddamn resume? I'm a cat cuddler. You know what I mean? I think that's wonderful. People volunteering to go there, pet the cats, give them some tender, loving care, socialize them. You know, I think it's great. Yeah, a lot uh, less stress for the animals. Right? I think my bodyguard and uh, best friend there, Mr. Dave Kaufman, he would be a good cat cuddler. Him and his uh, wife, Mama Rosa, as I call her. The two of them could go down there and cuddle sure. the cats. Anybody hey, can come pet, pet the pussy cats down there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. Thanks, Dave. What does it cost to adopt a cat through the Niagara SPCA? So we actually, till the end of August, it's $150. It's normally $230. So again, summer is always for cats. You know, kitten season, people, I think most people in the animal game kind of know it. You know, spring comes along. There's still that over pet population problem with cats, especially. Uh, so they're 235, and of course that's fully vaccinated, core vaccines, dewormed, seen by the veterinarian, full medical, and of course there no animal leaves a shelter unless it's spayed or neutered. Is there a lot of people getting their cats microchipped these days? To your knowledge, still not. I still think it's funny. I still think it's funny that the fact that cats seem to be the throwaway in the animal world dogs no like i mean when we pick up a stray dog or whatever you know most times we're going to find an owner and they're going to come in you know and they're going to claim their dog back cats not so much i think okay. so many of them you know there's a lot of feral colonies out there so people take them in from there and they have the feral things and it's, it's unfortunate to see so no we haven't seen a lot the city of welland actually has a bylaw where your cat has to be microchipped and licensed and I'd like to see the other municipalities do the same thing. Do you think there should be a leash law for cats? I, 
<clears throat> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the feral colonies are out there and they're doing what they can. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a community wide problem. We have to realize it's not humane society's fault. It's not. It's it, it's it's us as people. We allowed it to get out of control. And I mean, cats. I mean, they can breed every cycle. They're breeding so like spider monkeys. It, it is. It's it, it's absolutely like astounding when you see just how many cats can be born from one female. It, it's it's staggering. It's in the thousands and thousands oh. of kittens. Yeah. So, One cat can have thousands of kittens. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. And, of course, now where are they? They're out and they're in people's backyards. And, you know, we have harsh winters here in Canada. Yeah. So the feral groups are out there doing what they can. And, you know, and they will. They'll. So now what we do is if we spay and neuter, we also vaccinate them before we put them back. Nice, nice. So it's TNVR and then release and vaccinating. We have to keep in mind that even for us... Healthy community equals healthy animals. If we have unhealthy animals with zoonotic diseases that can be spread to humans yeah. out in the community and get bitten or scratched, especially children, we have to keep that in mind. So, I mean, it's a community-wide problem, and everybody, I think, tries to do their part, but it's, it's a big problem. So much more to talk about. What is the fine if someone is caught not picking up their dog shit? So, have you and you actually give fines to folks that you know let the dog drop a deuce and then they walk away? Have you have you busted anyone? Has your team busted anyone for not picking up their dog shit? Absolutely. So again, we use more of the education. So if if it's a first complaint and we go out and we get that complaint, we educate them, and then of course we will lay fines. Fines across across the Niagara region. We do seven of the municipalities. They're all different. The lowest starts at $250. We call it the poop and scoop law. <laughs> so that's where we look at it. See, and, people are learning something new today. The poop and scoop <laughs> law. Poop and scoop law, yeah. And same as leashing. But the fines can get quite substantial when you get up into the higher. The poop and scoop being one of the lower ones. The leash laws are usually $350, $550 in some municipalities because they want people to take it seriously. Because of the danger of an unleashed dog. So if you're walking your dog and you don't have a leash on. You could get a $550 fine right? from one of our officers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you, you and do. we stack them. So, I mean, if you do it again, we're coming back and you're getting another fine. Yeah, you get some repeater. You get some repeaters. There's some repeaters that don't want to listen. And then what we do, Dave, basically it's called a part three. We actually come. We serve you with a summons for court. And we get a judge order against you that you're going to obey the law. So it gets yeah. pretty serious pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't beat the uh, beat the owners uh, who leave their dog shit on the grass. You don't beat them with uh, phone books over the head or nothing no, no, like no. that? No, no, we sort of leave that to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important to pick up. There's nothing worse than stepping on dog shit. Absolutely. It's, it's a game. You know, it's, it's a community. If you're walking your dog, usually there are neighborhoods. We don't want to see kids playing in it or falling in it or, like you say, people stepping in it. So I think it's just respectful. It comes back to the responsible dog owner. And that's where a lot of animals, unfortunately, mostly dogs, get themselves in trouble. It's not the dog's fault. It's the owner. The owners know, you know, if you're going to take your dog and people, you know, we hear it all the time. My dog is well behaved. My yeah. dog won't do anything yeah, until yeah. it does. Yeah. And then it's got a little tiny dog by the throat and all of a sudden things get serious really, really quickly. So we, we want to <clears> prevent <throat> that. We see dog bites in children. People have to realize just a medium-sized dog that's unleashed and for whatever reason, not necessarily a bod dog, but for whatever reason, interacts with a small child, we as adults, of course, are a lot higher than the dog's mouth. 
it can jump, but I mean, children are face to face with these animals. Yeah. Just a medium sized dog. Yeah. So you want to prevent that. I mean, if you love your animal, you're going to put it on a leash, you're going to act responsibly because at the end of the day, under the Dog Owners Liability Act, a judge can order that animal euthanized. And it's always the dog that pays the price. It's never the human. You might pay a couple of dollars in fines, but the animal could end up actually losing its life. So yeah. that's all we say. Due to, due to stupidity and irresponsibility. Absolutely, yeah. Can you talk about the dog limit in Niagara Falls and Welland? Yeah, uh, so across, pretty much across the entire Niagara region, dog limit is three. Per household. Per household. Uh, agricultural is five. So uh, I'm, I can't remember exactly now. It's a zoning issue. The acreage. But if you're on an acreage and, and you're, you're actually zoned agricultural, you can go up to five. And then, of course, there's kennels that can have as many dogs, basically, as... as Talk to us see. about a kennel license. I mean, does a breeder have to have a kennel license if they're just having a litter occasionally and they're in a subdivision and they have a litter of puppies occasionally? I'm talking a planned litter, a breeder with the Canadian Kennel Club. Do they still need a kennel license, John? Yeah, so again, we kind of cross over a lot of barriers there. So the people that, you know, that have these litters, like you say, maybe plant and just have one litter. Yeah. Uh, it, usually that's more, again, of a zoning issue. You're in a residential neighborhood. It's actually against the bylaw. It happens. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's just one of those things. Uh, for kennels, so what we do through our organization is uh, the cities all pretty much keep a registry of the kennels. Each year we inspect those kennels, so an officer goes out, we follow a code of practice for keeping kennels, like how the floors are, is there enough food on the premises, how many dogs do you have, how many staff do you have, and then we issue the kennel license, and we, our officers will, on occasion when they're out, stop by that kennel throughout the year just to check the things, because things can go down pretty, you know, if you've got 30 or 40 yeah. dogs, they can go downhill pretty quickly. Yeah. So we just follow really that code of practice for keeping a kennel. We want to make sure secure, you know, clean kennels, fresh pot. What does it water. cost? What are, what are people paying for a kennel license? It's only $100. It's not yeah. very expensive. So that's the easy part. And that's the easy part. <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, you, you can put up your kennel license. So people coming to that kennel can know, that the Niagara SPCA and Humane Society have been there and they found everything okay. You know, uh, you get into some of these places, they're a little bit more shady and people go and they, they, they buy a dog from what they think is a backyard breeder yep. that could be actually a puppy mill operating throughout the Niagara region. And they come to us afterwards and all kinds of genetic defects with their dogs or health issues. So again, we encourage people, if you're going to go to one of these places, contact your local Humane Society. Uh, we can't tell you a lot, but we can tell you if I have interactions with them and make yeah. them informed to say, don't go. <clears throat> right. People do it because they feel sorry. They go and they see all these little puppies and dogs and they, they buy them. Pulls on the heartstrings. Pulls up, but you're still supporting that business. Yeah. Because they're making money. So they're never going to stop. So you have to get in front of it, not behind it, and, and, and again, play off emotions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so is there a limit to how many cats you can own? Yeah. Cats are the same. Three cats. Three cats is the same as dogs. Yeah. And there's a lot of dog hoarders and cat hoarders within our Niagara region. I'm sure you get calls. Oh, there, there, there's quite a few. Yeah, you know, hoarding is a few. big problem. I mean, Hoard, hoarding is. A, I know a woman that used to, you know, have ten thousand newspapers from the last twenty years. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not as bad as hoarding a bunch of animals in your house. But. Well, usually you find when you go to those <laughs> houses. When I was on the road, I went. I went into quite a few, and you find the, the newspapers stacked up, and they hoard everything, including animals. And it's really unfortunate because, again, 
they, I think a lot of them, they start out and they do it through good intentions. They want to help the animals. And then all of a sudden, you know, just to give you an example, we went into one house and the lady had 34 cats living in her house. She fed those God cats. Goddamn crazy. She fed those cats before she fed herself. And, I mean, you just can't keep up. I mean, there's not enough litter boxes for that amount of cats. So our officers had to go in, basically round all these cats up and bring them in. So, again, they start out, I think, just like any hoarding situation, I think it's a mental health problem. Yes. And it's really unfortunate because, like I say, it's not a pile of newspapers. It's a living, breathing animal. So it's not a good environment for the person to live in. I mean, we sometimes have to put on Tyvek suits. We have to put on uh, the Nosh masks so that we can breathe just a whiff. Jesus. These people are living in that day in and day out. I was in a house where... Bad for the lungs. The, really. And I, I went into one house where the bathroom, and I, I'm not sure how this went, but we, we had to make a pathway through. Like you say, the papers and everything piled. The bathtub was full of feces. The sink was full of feces. Like These people are living in this shithole. They're living in it, yeah. And then we, you know, we do that multi-agency, public health, different things, Ministry of Environment. We have to get all of those people involved when it comes to that. It's insane. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. Um, I wanted to ask you about the dog rescues. We've got a lot of local dog rescues within the Niagara region of Ontario. Uh, more and more of them. And a lot of these, I would say... You know, the vast majority of them, uh, of these dog rescues, are bringing in dogs from different countries, you know, in hopes to find their uh, forever home here in our Niagara region or in Ontario. Uh, what are your thoughts on the local dog rescues, on, on the mere fact that they're bringing in dogs from, from different countries? Uh, John, talk about that. Sure. So, I mean... All of the dog rescues that I know of in the Niagara region are, are very good-hearted people. They're trying to do the right thing. Yes. Uh, but I think it's pretty much been all over the news how shelters currently are struggling with our overpopulation. Our, our, our kennels are full here in the Niagara region and across the province of Ontario. And for whatever reason, some people want to put it down to COVID. So, I mean, some of it, I think, is cost of living of people. It's more expensive. They can't afford their pets, so they surrender to the shelter veterinary costs i think we will create our own problem here in the niagara region if we continue to bring these animals in from mostly the united states as you know cfia just bond a lot of countries from bringing them in so back and it was it was through no fault of anybody's own i mean heartworm didn't exist in the province of ontario until we brought southern dogs in here and our dogs got infected and now it's at epidemic proportions so we brought that disease in and now our dogs are paying the price for it Humane societies were a part of that, not just rescues. We all played our part in that because we just didn't know what we didn't know at that time. So I just worry by bringing these dogs in from different countries, and I, and I get it. Everybody wants to help. There's high-kill shelters in the U.S. People hear that. They want to do it. But if you get a group, I think I just heard of a group about a month ago that brought about 45 dogs in. Well, that's 45 dogs that are sitting in shelters in Niagara that won't be adopted because they adopted through there. So that's another thing that, that sort of tugs on people's heartstrings. It's a rescue dog. It was at a high-kill shelter, so the dog sitting in Niagara Falls are well and that those kennels are fine. But we don't want to be sitting on an animal that's in a cage, basically. It's kennel for six months or eight months because it's just not healthy for that animal. It's no well good being. for the dog to be institutionalized exactly. at the Humane Society 
for that long of a time frame. It's no good for them mentally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I say, I mean, they all do it out of the goodness of their heart and they want to help. But... I just believe we have to look after, get our act together here in Niagara and make sure our, like some of the times we've done it, our, our dog numbers are low. So like it can work at certain times of the year. The dog numbers are low at the shelters. Let's do some rescues. We do the same thing. We have pulled away. We did some U.S. rescues. We have kind of pulled away from there because it's another thing. It's just a bondage solution. We're never solving that problem. So those 40 or 50 dogs you bring in tomorrow, there's another 40 or 50 dogs waiting to come in as well. We just can't sustain that with the population of now or like Toronto and none of us can sustain those kinds of numbers. So we now work with our Northern rescues out of Manitoba, some of the other provinces, uh, we like to bring in the puppies that won't survive a winter out there, right? The really harsh winters are the yeah. dogs actually, unfortunately, eat them. Some places in our northern community still, still do have to do dog culls where they hire people and people go out and shoot these animals because there's so many of them. Right. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's a big problem across. And like I say, I mean, we still do it. We, we don't really support it a lot anymore until our numbers come down in our shelters. I just don't want to see that. And like I say, it's just one of those things. That so you feel that the local dog rescues are adding to the problem of the over dog population? Well, I, I don't know if they're adding to the overpopulation. I think what they're adding to is the number of adoptions being done. So if you, like I said, if you do 40 or 45 dogs from the U.S., that's 40 or 45 dogs that won't be adopted from your local shelter. So with the crisis right now, I've seen numbers or talked to other executives. They are a thorn in your side. To some degree, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to put them down. I don't want to make it sound like I'm putting them down. I like. I support them. I know the work they're doing. I know a lot of them, and they're really great people. Not so much a thorn in their side. I, I would or like thorn to in your side, right? My side. I'd like to see them us work a little bit more together. I mean, you know, Niagara's a great community. Like I say, I was from Belfast. Toronto moved down here. I love the Niagara region. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I see the community involvement. I would like to see us, the shelters, work closer with the rescues and, and figure those numbers out. If the shelters are sitting low on dogs, let's do some transfers. Let's work together on it. But everybody in the rescue world works independently. So one group doesn't know what the other group's doing. One could bring 40 in one day and one could bring 40 in another day. I just think we have to get our house in order here and make sure our animals in the Niagara region are looked after first, and then we reach out and help. So there's room for helping. improvement in your relationship with local dog rescues? Absolutely, always. And we work with some of them, and some of them are great. Like we work with, again, our, our northern reach sort of uh, communities that are rescues. We work with those. But like I say, we just, we just got to be really careful that we don't create a problem over here. You know, we don't want to say a Niagara region where, like I say, Dave, there's... there's places in the U.S. that I've heard of, and I've actually visited some of them, they schedule euthanasia days because of their overpopulation. Schedule it. There was one group before five years ago that did a fundraiser so they could euthanize the animals in their care. Jesus Christ. So I just don't want that to become our problem here in Niagara or Ontario. I just, I, I think we really have to look. We've got a lot of animals here and, and a lot of great people, and, and I think we need to work together and coordinate maybe a little bit more of the animals coming in. 
Yeah. How did your recent fundraiser go uh, at Club Richelieu in Welland? I heard it was a success. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend. I was looking for you. I, I wanted to go because I usually end up going. You did. Uh, you had good numbers. You had a good turnout. Great turnout. Talk yes. about that briefly. Yeah. So, uh, Rain and Terry and the group Ruckus, who are, you know, an agribond. Love that band. Around, I think it was their 50th anniversary of being together. So been around for a long time. So Terry is actually one of our head dog walkers at our Welland location and very supportive of the shelter. So we've done it now three years. It's always very successful. Uh, I think we had about just, just under 500 people attended the event. It's a great time. The great the bond is great. People have a lot of time. It's old songs. So a lot of older people come and they hear some of that old rock and roll that we enjoy. There's the newer stuff. We have prizes, we have draws. We you have used everything. to have KK, Christy Knight, yep. on the microphone hosting. Now, this year you had somebody different from uh, Giant FM, I believe, yeah, uh, hosting. Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris came out. I, I believe she replaced KK. Yeah. So she came out. Yeah, 91.7. They supported us. Chris is very country. nice as well. Super nice lady. Yeah, really good. Yeah, we were up on the stage. We did our live auction with her. She helped us out on our live auction yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, great support again from the community. We like that particular fundraiser day because, again, the community gives so much to us throughout the year. It's we keep tickets are ten dollars. We don't like and people get to have a bite to eat for that. Get the bite I mean, you're eat. getting to see the band. Yep, and you're getting to go in and you just grab your plate and, and away you, you go. Have, and, you know, and that's what we want to do. We want to give back to people, like I say, in the community that give to us all year. We depend on them. It's our, our own little way of what we can do to sort of get back to the community. Another thing I want to quickly touch on, this will be the first year since COVID, uh, and you probably remember some of them because I think you were there. We're going to have our gala dinner on December 2nd at oh, the Americana. Yes, I love, love and the gala we, dinner. Yes. So, <clears throat> of course, during COVID, couldn't do it. Always a well-attended event. People really love coming out there. We did the dress-up one year. People loved it. We did the 20s theme. Uh this year, it's like a winter wonderland theme. I'm so buying gonna, two tables, by the way. Okay, love it. And uh, we're, I'm in talks right now with some of the ice dogs because of the winter wonderland theme, maybe to get some of the players to come by and sign some autographs. Nice. Have some shirts. So that's something that I'd like people to watch for through our social media channel in the next little while. We're going to start promoting it. That's going to be exciting. The food is always great, the Americana. Lovely, yeah. And uh, it's a good fundraiser, and it's good to get out there with everyone. And uh, the live auction, the silent auction, always a hit. Always, yep. Always, yep. yeah. Always a And uh, also, you've got Tammy Gabery as the pet care manager. She's a great contribution to your empire that you're running. <laughs> she's a breath of fresh air. She is. Shout she, out am to, I not a breath of fresh air? You are as well. Okay, I was just checking. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, I love you, John. That's why you're here, man. Yeah, I know, I know. You call know. it like it is. You say it like it is. But a shout-out to Tammy. Tammy's a, a good girl. And you've got an amazing team of staff in in all of the shelters. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. Absolutely. In Niagara Falls and in Welland, you know, Fort just Holland. an amazing team. Yeah, Tommy's a great addition. Tammy I mean, and the whole gang. She, she does a lot of our events. As you know, we're very community-oriented. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, without Tommy, Nina is in charge of our animal services department. So she's a great asset, like that middle management kind of team that do the day-to-day -day stuff for me so that I can sort of look. But, I mean, even the staff, they're dedicated. I mean, I see the care that they put into those animals. Uh, 
Another thing I did when I when I took over, I think it's become more popular in shelters. We have our medical team of our veterinarians, but each shelter location now has an RVT, a registered veterinary technician. Which so, is great, which is great to have on staff. Great to have within the shelter only because back in those days when I was on the road, animal care staff might have to make medical decisions for euthanasia for an animal. And it's just not, we're, we're lay people. That's not our area of expertise. Yeah. So now I put a full IDEX system so we can run all of the blood work and lab work that, that any vet clinic can do. So now they have that secondary. They have the veterinarian they can consult with. They have the RVT that's a full-time employee at each of those shelter locations. And they can make those decisions if it's a quality of life issue for an animal that we just don't think. That's the only time we ever euthanize at any of our shelters. And it's a great addition. It, it provides that care, and while the animals in our care, some of these animals, we just uh, Coco, we just Coco just got adopted. She was with us for just over a year, so it's great that we have the enrichment. Our dog walkers that are there. So most of our dogs are exhausted by the end of the day. Terry and Palm and, and yeah. a bunch of dog walkers. And they're getting a lot of exercise. They get a lot. They're they're not in those kennels pretty much all day long. We have a great group. Niagara Falls, we could use some more dog walkers. Again, with that was okay. something that was a little bit lower. We'd love to see some people volunteer to come down to Niagara Falls. We have the big I can I can certainly uh, get the word out for Perfect. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, much like myself, you have your haters. Much like myself, you've got your haters, and you've got people that love you. But that's the way it is when you're in the public eye. I mean, you're not going to please everyone. We, we can't please everyone. I can't please everyone. I mean, no. there's people that hate me because sometimes we use a prong collar on a muscular, strong, powerful dog. Mind you, we use it humanely and safely, yeah, and we absolutely. only use the round tip prong collars. Yeah. And we certainly don't use a prong collar on every single dog, which is a misconception. Right. If you're training with Dave McMahon, you have to use a specific collar on a dog. That's a crock of shit. We're very open-minded. Yep. We use what works on the individual dog. Well, I think you're... I I think you're right on the money. You do what you have to do because, let's face it, Dave, some of these animals, if you don't go to that, they might not come out of that class and be obedient and be a good dog and might get themselves in trouble. I have my haters, absolutely. Um, many years on the road, so lots of people still around that remember me. Uh, sometimes at my level, I have to make decisions on the enforcement activities that we're actually going to do. So... People don't like that. They don't like being told what to do, even though it's a bylaw, and we're, we're there to enforce those bylaws. Uh, but we do what we can. Like I say, we're community-oriented. We work with the community. Sometimes it's just those people that don't want to listen to the officer when they say, you know, put your dog on a leash. Put your dog... Like... You've got times? you've got tough decisions to make. Absolutely, and yeah. it's not going to. It's you know you're going to rub some people the wrong way. That's just par for the course. That's that's part of our business, and and we do it. I mean, the thing about it is, we take our job very seriously, and people really, at the end of the day, should try to realize that though what we're doing through those enforcement activities is actually for the betterment of the animal on the person so they don't get large fines or they don't get summons to court or they protect the community around them little children and other dogs smaller dogs so it's a necessary part of what we do okay now there's a question that's come in from one of the listeners let me know what you think here. Sure. Uh, please ask John Greer why he failed to provide Haldeman County with the information on all for the dog's rescue animal welfare orders against Sean Batcher or Backer, whatever the hell you say his name, which allowed Backer to get a kennel license. Many people have reached out to John, but we haven't heard back yet. 
Yeah, so that's that's not public domain. So that was a kennel license that we approved. That, that there was some controversy around that particular kennel license. Uh, it's unfortunate. We again, we have to follow that code of practice, and if it meets it, uh, the paws inspectors were involved in it as well, and they had cleared it. So we have to do it. We're we're monitoring the situation very clearly, but we're we're not going public. So it's not with just it. a subjective decision no. or subjective. No, and we're not this going and that. public with it. I mean, it, it actually. So what people have to realize is, although we do the kennel license because we're the honorable services provider for uh, Haldeman County. That information belongs to Haldeman County. That's where that report is given to. And then their bylaws, zoning, all of those people have their say in it. So, you know, again, some people, it's kind of go back to like those prong collars. They don't like it. So is it the, the cleanest kennel or the whatever? Absolutely not. But it is clean. They're well cared for. Cement floors, they met the criteria of what we do for a kennel inspection. But that being said... And I don't mind saying this because I've, I've told Sean the same thing. We are going to monitor that situation. You're going to revisit. Closely. Yeah, you're so going to revisit. So an officer will do surprise inspections and in there. And if there's a complaint, people can reach out to PAWS, right, the provincial. They will go in and do their investigation. So it's a process, Dave. It's, it's just yep, like if yep. we issue a ticket. People, you know, barking dog, you're not doing anything about it. But we've issued a ticket. Well, if it takes us a year to get into court, it takes us, the dog doesn't know it got a ticket. It's not going to stop barking. Yeah. There's so much to talk about, and I'd love to have you come on Unleashed, where we could unleash our minds and unleash our mouths and unleash our opinions. It was great having you on. You are a breath of fresh air, John. <laughs> I appreciate you. And, I, and thank you, <laughs> listeners, for joining me, Dave McMahon, on our honest radio talk show called Unleashed right here on 4680q.ca and 4680q.com. I uh, appreciate you having, having the, uh, the time in your schedule to, to uh, devote to listening to us. Uh, John Greer, Executive Director, Niagara SPCA and Humane Society, thanks again. And I uh, look forward to having you back. My bodyguard, uh, best friend, and picture taker, Mr. David Kaufman, Always great to have you here. Uh, I love the pictures you take, especially the one with John and I. Uh, that's going to be funny when we put that one out. And thank you to our sponsor, uh, Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing, Mr. Barry Blanchard. All right, so I hope you have a doggone great day. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. See you later.